Um, I'm going to pray, and then Philip, Brenda, and Jonas, and John are going to lead us in some singing. So it's Pentecost. Best prayer I can think of was Holy Spirit, come. Breathe on us this morning and remind us to breathe. I breathe in acceptance and breathe out fear, making space for all of me to be here without judgment. I breathe in love for the hidden, dark, and quaking places. I breathe ease into tightness and light into the shadowy, walled-off rooms of the psyche where doors were closed tightly for so long. I breathe in divine presence and let go of any obstacles I can. I breathe this moment deep into the center of my being and breathe out everything that isn't now. I breathe in power, strength, courage, and the willingness to say yes to life. Not as I wish it to be, but as it is, resplendent in its silent generosity. Come Holy Spirit. And Taryn is going to come. And the crowd went wild. <laughs> Try not to fall over the cables. Uh-huh. So, uh, God, I thank you for Taryn, and I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for all that she has prepared for us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through her, empower her, and give her all the good stuff that she needs to give us today. Amen. All right. Realize I should probably open my notes if I can find them. There we go. So, good morning. If you didn't hear yet, my name is Taryn. Um, I've met some of you, but not all of you. So, hopefully, I can meet all of you as time continues. Um, if you haven't met me, I live here in Abbotsford, originally from Saskatoon, so if you ever want to chat about the prairies, I will be down. Go Riders! Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, that's enough about me. Um, <laughs> that's my bio. That is everything you need to know about me. Boom. Yeah, so before we get hopping into... Uh, some of the passages that I'll be reading today, I just kind of wanted to frame us right now in a way that a counselor has framed me in a therapy session before. Um, and so <clears throat> often um, we want concrete answers. It's just kind of human nature. And I think we're all working on our why muscle. How do we ask questions about the Bible? And I know it used to frustrate me when sometimes I'd share a feeling or a thought or whatever, and my counselor would reply and be like, hmm, something to be curious about. I'd be like, oh, yes, but also just give me the concrete answer. Um, at times, it's hard to just sit with being curious about something. Uh, but that is kind of the approach that I've been taking to the Bible these days, as, as I read, not very often, but as I do read sitting down and being curious. And as I read these passages, uh, passages, sitting down and simply being curious. So with that, let's hop in because as someone said at one point, it's Pentecost Sunday. And so if you don't know what Pentecost is, uh, basically the long and short is it's the day when the Christian church acknowledges uh, when the Holy Spirit descended upon people. 
And so we can hop right into what the Bible has to say about that in Acts 2, 1 to 4. Oh, yes, I love when it Acts 2, 1 to 4. Oh, yes, I love when it just pops up behind me. So this is from Wilda Gaffney's translation, who does, um, what's the word for the book that has the passages that we're working through? Lectionary. Thank you. So she's the one who wrote the lectionary. So this is the uh, story of Pentecost in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in the same place. And there came suddenly from heaven a sound like the sweeping of a mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Then there appeared among them divided tongues as of fire, and one rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, just as the Spirit gave them to speak. So the Holy Spirit appeared, is the too long didn't read, even though I just read it. So that's one thing that you need to note. As we continue to be curious about these passages, I also invite you to be entering into kind of some of how I'm reading the passages and what's going on in my brain as kind of a guide for how I've been curious and how you can track uh, with some of my thoughts. So an important thing to note is a question that I had been asking about the Bible a lot recently um, was actually connected to the next chunk of this section that we got today, which is lovely because I'm a person who, like, anniversaries, cyclical thinking, that kind of thing is important to me. For example, literally two minutes ago, my friend Amy looked at the slide and said, oh, a pride service, when is that? And we're like, oh, June 25th. And instantly I was like, oh, that's the day I graduated high school. That was in 2015. But I still remember anniversaries and dates. Um, they're very important to me. And so as I was ready to be curious about these passages, it kind of felt like a little treat from God, if you will, that three of the five passages had kind of that cyclical, already had meaning to me within my life. And so we'll hop into the second half of Acts 2, which had meaning as I asked the question uh, a few months ago, why did Jesus come to earth when he did? So before we read this, it might already be up, I'll actually pause and have you ask yourself, maybe it's a question you thought about before, maybe it's not. Why did Jesus come to earth when he did? 10 seconds, just ponder, what's your gut response? And as you ponder, feel free to turn to someone beside you and share if anything came up. What, what comes to mind when you think, why did Jesus come to earth when he did? In terms of like 0 AD, roughly, in the Roman Empire, why did Jesus come then? Feel free to share with a neighbor any gut thoughts. You have like 10 seconds. Three more seconds. I heard a lot of the time was right. <laughs> cool. That yeah, that can be an answer. Um, yeah, there there we go. Um, so this is a question about three months ago. 
Um, at some point, uh, during the Love, Matter More, Love Matters More groups, this question came into my brain, and I've basically been mulling over it on and off for the past three months. And my gut response when I think, why did Jesus come in 0 AD to earth? I think of this passage, which reads, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews from every nation under heaven. So for context, Pentecost was also the Jewish festival of weeks. So basically all the diaspora Jews, the Jews who didn't live in Jerusalem, would all come back to Jerusalem. Let us continue. Now at this sound, so the Holy Spirit descending upon everyone, and there's like 120 people in that house, by the way, that the Holy Spirit descended on. Now at this sound, the crowd gathered and was confused because each heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astounded, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how do we hear each in our own native language? And we'll just pause here. So basically, people are hearing the spirit descending. And, you know, in that time, it looked like tongues of fire. But perhaps in our time, it would look like a little video clip that hopefully we can play in the Zoom people can see. Yes, not a worry. Anticipation. Yeah. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, 20 seconds on the clock, please. Here we go. Name a po- She got 184. China, you need 16 points to win. Okay. I'm going to ask you the same five questions you can Hold on. Okay. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Holy oh, Spirit, yeah. oh, activate. No. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 Ooh. All right, let's go. 11 years has never happened before. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. I said, Holy okay. Spirit, activate. Woo! <laughs> Come on, you can do this. See Hallelujah. what, next time you're down at the DMV, Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> Perfect. How about the time you're sitting up there taking that, a test? You that is about before? that Holy for the video. So if you're having trouble really putting yourself in years ago, you can just think of that. It was the Holy Spirit <laughs> activating. We got this. We have the Spirit now. Um, and the rest of the passage will be behind me. Feel free to read it, but I will just summarize. So basically, uh, all there's about... 3,000 Jews who became believers in Christ that day because they saw the ruckus of the Spirit coming down. And Peter preaches a little sermon, tells about the gospel. It's really long. We don't, we don't need to read it all. Feel free to. It's good stuff. Um, but the long and short of what I had been told previously of why did Jesus come when he did was because of that moment. Because in time, uh, it was what was called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace Basically, the Roman Empire controlled everyone and made roads. So the gospel could be told to these people who, in the passage, are basically like north towards Europe, east towards Asia, south towards Africa, west towards the sea. Um, (laughs) So they're all over, and they represent the world. And basically, you see the good news being preached, people becoming believers, and then spreading forth. And it's the beginning of the church with the Spirit. And that is an answer. 
and I'm not saying it's a bad answer, but when I was started to think about this a few months ago, it felt like it was falling short. And so because this was something that I'd been mulling over a lot, it shaped the curiosity that I had as I read these passages. And so a conclusion of my own that I had as I thought about why did Jesus come to earth when he did was that perhaps that Roman rule was very important because you don't see Jesus becoming Caesar as people thought he did. You see him instead sacrificing his own life, which is letting go of all power. And I can't help but think that that is important for why Jesus came when he did. Um, you know, as, as you read Ephesians 6.12, it's kind of the first verse that comes to mind with this point. In the NIV it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And once you start to think of this language, you, you can see it a lot in the Bible, in Revelations, and many other places. I won't quote them all. But as we are curious, I invite you to be curious and adopt kind of the lens that I read these through in which maybe Jesus came to earth in order to upset the power norms. Maybe that's one of the reasons, the yes end, for why he came when he did. And so I tried to read the rest of these passages that I was given in the lectionary, being like, oh, maybe it can give me more insight for why did Jesus come when he did. But then I kind of revised it, and I was like, maybe I'll be curious around, why did Jesus come to earth? Maybe that's a question that will be helpful in these passages. And of course, it's Pentecost. So we got to kind of trace through the history of the Spirit, which is what these passages that I was given, uh, it's kind of what they do. So if we hop real quick, we'll start in the Old Testament, and we'll start at the very beginning. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We got that? Yeah. We remember that one. And it also says that the earth was formless and void, um, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So pre-creation, we know that the Spirit was there. Um, also for context, I studied biblical studies in Bible college, and I absolutely will nerd out about these things, and I'll try to rein myself in and not go on too many rabbit trails, but like sometimes I'm like, oh, here's a cool thing in the Greek word, and I'll, I'll try not to, but that's just like what gives me passion in life. So we'll hop next into Isaiah 44, which was one of the passages that Wilda had. Um, and it's actually only the final line that I want to touch on with the Spirit. But I love the nurturing character of God that comes out in this passage, so we'll read a little bit of it. Um, I'm actually just going to read from the screen. Hear now, Jacob, Rebecca's child, my slave, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the wellspring of life who made you, who shaped you in the womb and will help you. Fear not, Jacob, Rebecca's son, my slave. Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water upon thirsty soil and streams upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. 
They shall spring up in green places like willows by flowing waters. So I just love the imagery of that. And what we will take note of as we do a quick history of the spirit is uh, the spirit in here is paralleled with blessing, um, which is just something to note. And it also, God promises the spirit upon the descendants. So obviously, even in the Old Testament, the spirit was still a thing. It wasn't just Acts 2 and onwards. Um, another passage that we don't have time that Will DeGaffney read was Psalm 104. And just in the little humor of God, Psalm 104 is a psalm that for a class, psalms class, believe it or not, I had attempted to memorize and then had to, Amy, were you in psalms? Oh, she didn't get to witness it. I was like, maybe someone witnessed my greatest failure in which I tried to recite a 25-verse psalm while memorizing it until 3 a.m. in the morning, so it didn't really retain well, and then it, it, didn't, it didn't go well. I do think I passed the assignment, but yeah, it didn't go well. So God was like, yeah, let's just revisit that psalm. That's like your worst nightmare. Um, but for time's sake, we will cut it. Um, not, not because I'm bitter, no. But we will hop into the New Testament now. Um, an important question that I think to ask is always, what did Jesus have to say about something? And that's what we see in the John 14 passage that we have. Um, so for context, Philip asked Jesus, Rabbi, show us the Father and we will be content. Um, and Jesus kind of does his sassy Jesus response and says, and I will ask of the Father, and God will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees nor knows the spirit. You know the spirit, because the spirit abides with you, and the spirit will be in you. And so a couple quick observations that I made. Obviously, Jesus is pumped about sending the spirit. Jesus kind of says, like, this is even better than me, in a way. The Spirit. And we see the Spirit as advocate. We see it described as the Spirit of truth. The Spirit is contrary to the world. Um, it'll be with people forever. Um, and what really sticks out to me is it says Jesus, you know, pre-Acts 2, pre-when the Spirit actually came, says in present tense, you know the Spirit because the Spirit abides with you. The Spirit was already with them then. And then Jesus goes on to say that the Spirit will be in you. It's kind of that whole, like, now but not yet um, tension that you see throughout the Bible of we, we get a taste of, what's God, of what God's doing, but also there's more yet to come somehow. So those are the Spirit observations in that passage. And then finally, we will hop to Romans 8, which is another little significant um, passage to me. When I first became a Christian, when I was 15, I uh, did a lot better at memorizing the Bible and joined a little Sunday school class in which we memorized Romans 8. Um, half of it is still kind of retained. And also, one of my favorite verses at the time came out of Romans 8:18. Which we aren't actually going to look at, but it says, um, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing uh, with the glory that will be revealed in us. So feel free to 
read into that whatever you want to about me with that being my favorite verse. Um, so just to give a little bit of context to this Romans 8 passage, um, Romans 8 talks a lot about the spirit of law and flesh versus the spirit which is life. Um, and I know if you are like me, the whole spirit of law and flesh kind of makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, what do I do with that? But if we can hop back to where I was as I began all of these verses and remember that um, perhaps the, the flesh has to do with power in the same way that Jesus came in Roman rule to make a statement on power. Um, and as I begin to interact with the Bible more through that lens, I begin to see it everywhere. And so I invite you to be curious about whether or not flesh can be the human desire to participate in systemic power systems that perpetuate injustice. Just, just a thought. Um, and so with that, we'll read Romans 8. Um, perfect. And this is also Wilda Gaffney's translation still. Um, now, as many are led by the Spirit of God and are daughters and sons of God, or if you will, children, and that's kind of a weird grammar, so if you let me rework it a little bit. Now, many are led by the Spirit of God and are children of God. For you all did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall again into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. It is that same spirit who bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and heirs with Christ. If it is true that we suffer with Christ so that we may also be glorified with Christ. Once again, observations made about the spirit in that many are led by the spirit. There's that adoption language and the, the family language. And if you don't know, Abba was like a very personal term. It's like a young child saying mommy or daddy. So it's a very intimate um, relationship with God that's presented in that passage. And then if we continue on, I, I kind of skipped over half of it because it's just very theologically dense and my brain didn't want to have to think about it. Um, and we'll hop on later in the passage where it talks a bit more about the spirit again. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as is necessary. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs, too deep for words. And God, who sees the heart, knows what is the mindset of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And in that passage, we see spirit as a helper and spirit as an interceder. Almost like when we do feel helpless, um, the spirit earlier in the passage, it, it kind of, it, it's groaning on our behalf. Without words, the spirit gets us and somehow connects us with God. Um, so that was a lot of me throwing the Bible at you and making observations. Um, and of course, a fun feature for me of ADHD is executive dysfunction. And so I had been reading these passages and reading them, you know, a few weeks ago and particularly the last two days. And I had all of these thoughts 
and I could feel like they were connected, but I couldn't quite put it into a thought until I had a eureka moment at 10 p.m. last night. And finally, it was like, oh, I get it. I get how the thoughts are all combined, and I get what to be curious about for me in this moment. Um, and so there will be a passage that won't be on the screen because I came across it at 10 p.m. last night. So Acts 1, 4 to 9 in the NIV, the final Bible passage, I promise it's a lot to keep track of. Um, this is the context to the Spirit coming. This is kind of Jesus' last moments on earth before the Spirit then descends like 10 days later or something. So it says, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we can just pause right there. And we see ultimately in Jesus' word the promise that the Holy Spirit as a gift. Um, and then we'll continue on. It says, Then they, the, the disciples, gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And we can pause there because that's the question they're asking. And I've been asking my questions. So the disciples and the followers of Jesus, there's more than just 12 there, say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I can almost just see Jesus going, <sighs> because the, the Jews of the time had been ingrained in them that the Messiah will be someone who comes and has that rebellion and defeats the Romans. And spoiler alert, that's not what Jesus did. Um, instead, Jesus answers them saying, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So I had been curious about these passages with the question, why did Jesus come to earth? But suddenly, I felt like perhaps there's a better question to be curious about in the moment, which is, why did Jesus ascend from earth? Why didn't he stay? And the Bible says it's so that the Holy Spirit could come and descend upon us. And there's so much more to it than that. It's not about us getting power through the Holy Spirit, but it's also an ultimate statement of rejection of power. Jesus said on the cross that his work was finished and left it up to us who already had the Spirit and now we're made more aware of the Spirit to continue to engage in this world. And so as I see Jesus rejecting power, it makes me ask another question. 
what is the power of the Spirit? And that's not an easy question to think about. It's kind of uncomfortable for me, and there's so many different potential answers. Um, once again, my gut answer would probably be along the lines of, oh, well, the, the Spirit gave the power to cast out demons and perform miracles and receive visions, which we certainly see and is certainly an answer. Or maybe you look at the gifts of the Spirit, you know, wisdom and teaching and I think piety. I didn't actually write them down. But there's a few lists out there, you know? And maybe that too is the power of the Spirit. That's also an answer. And so to all of my gut thoughts, I say yes and. And I'm curious today about what exactly is the power of the Spirit. And so once again, I bring to you the observations of the Spirit that I'd pointed out throughout those four passages that I read. Um, we see Spirit paralleled with blessing in Isaiah. We saw in the psalm I didn't read, the Spirit was associated with creation and renewal. You'll just have to trust me on that one. Um, we see the Spirit as many things in John, as the advocate, as the Spirit of truth, contrary to the world, which might be contrary to power systems. The Spirit will be with you forever, and most importantly, what I get out of John is that the Spirit abides in you. And when we combine that with that familial, intimate language with Romans 8, we see that the Spirit is with us. God is with us and in us, and Romans 8 continues to say that there's nothing that can separate us from God. And so, uh, an aspect of the Spirit that I'm curious about today is, is the Spirit at all empowering us as it advocates to also let go of these power systems that Jesus seemed to let go of? Perhaps it's no longer about trying to attain wealth and climb up political systems and gain this, this very worldly human system power but instead be empowered to realize that we are all already with value in God. We don't need to work our way up to have value. We know that the Spirit has been there all along, which means the Spirit has been with us all along, and God has been with us all along. And I don't have a definitive answer because I'm still curious about this. And hopefully you can be curious with me too, um, but that is how my brain was tracking throughout reading this. Um, and I don't have a concluding line. So with that, I turn it over to Q&R. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Taryn. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you. Perhaps... Perhaps a benediction is Holy Spirit activate. Yeah. I'll, put, I'll Holy put the Spirit mic down now. Activate. Activate. Holy Spirit activate. Right, that has good, right? Um, so just to remind you, next Sunday is Zoom, and the Sunday after that, please bring something to eat. If you are A to L, bring something savory. If you are M to Z, bring something sweet. And we will have tables and chairs out, and we'll make it a party. 
Um, and so that is all I have. Um, please pray for Eden as she, Eden and Brad, as they do their thing tomorrow um, with their funeral. And uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and may you know his peace as you go out today and tomorrow and the rest of this week. Amen.